Hello and welcome to Extreme Perspectives. This is a monthly podcast created by the Sense Network to bring you conversations with people who see things differently and think differently. This podcast is for people who want to expand their mind and develop their creative intelligence. I'm your host, Jeremy Brown. For 20 years, I've been seeking out people from the edges of culture, the creators, outliers, misfits, rebels, and the crazy ones. People who want to change things and push the human race forward. In this episode of Extreme Perspectives, I speak with the crazy one, entrepreneur and believer in the healing power of sound, Nat Rich. When Nat broke her back, she had a vision that inspired her journey of exploration. After multiple false starts, she found her calling with I Am Sound. She is creating a platform dedicated to the study and appreciation of sound, from cymatics to the power of humming and dolphin-assisted births to the sound of the planets. Tune in and listen to what resonates for you. Good morning, Nat. Good morning. How are you? I'm very well. Where are you joining us from today? I am in sunny slash windy Ibiza today. Winter season. Indeed. Indeed. It's not the uh, it's, it's the best time on the island, really, the winter. It's great. Well, I'm really pleased you could join us this morning. And as I'm sure you know, I always start with the very first question. I get straight in there. And um, by way of introduction, would you describe yourself as an outlier, a misfit, a rebel or a crazy one? Well, so I'm kind of not detached from society, so I'm not really an outlier. I'm not kind of into rebellions, really, because I think they could be quite problematic. So I'm definitely not a rebel, and I fit in pretty much anywhere, so I'm not misfit. So it's going to have to go for the crazy one, uh, which I'm quite happy to take that title. I'll be a crazy one for today. Excellent. And I think you might have been the first person that self-identified as a crazy one, so congratulations. Really? Yeah, am I the Mad Hatter? I mean, it's 11-11 right now as well, so it's in Ibiza, so it's the uh, spiritual Mad Hatter from the island of Ibiza. I'll take it. It's clearly meant to be. Excellent. (laughs) It's great that we're getting to, to talk this morning. I'd love to hear a little bit more about you and your creative journey and what you're up to right now. So how did you how did you start out on this journey? What's leading you to do what you're doing today? Uh, I actually had a bit of a vision. So this might call me a crazy one, but I had a vision in 2012 that I needed to have a, a TV show. Um, and back then the idea was too big and my ego was too flared up to actually to make it happen. And I was currently being trolled on YouTube. So I thought, oh, my God, more of this is just not the way. Uh, so I parked my vision, which was very bizarre. And uh, and then I kind of came back to it in uh, 2019. I've been a kind of entrepreneur for a long time, back and forth, you know, trying to build companies that failed. So I've learned from all my mistakes. But I broke my back and um, unfortunately, and I was in bed. And I had just had this idea wave back over me that was like, you only should be doing the things you absolutely love. And um, I thought to myself, you know, what is it that? And it was, you know, what do I love? And it's going down rabbit holes, looking at, you know, asking questions, conspiracies, testing science, looking at things that were slightly out of the box, looking at sound and energy and music and life in a different way. And um, so I thought, how do I create a business (laughs) out of that? crazy crazy kind of uh assumption of everything that i loved uh or collaboration of everything that i loved and um yeah i thought well you know i need i think i need to put a tv platform together that brings all the other crazy people onto it and we tell the story together so i set off with the idea of 
I Am Sound TV, which is my company. And um, we predominantly study everything to do with sound and looking at the effects of sound, the power of sound, you know, sound in architecture, sound in mathematics, sound within yourself, uh, within your voice, within instruments. And, you know, sound is the basis of all things. So I thought, let's start there. And uh, yeah, I've been very happy since following what I do love and going down the rabbit holes of all the eccentric, you know, philosophies and the ways of looking at life, it keeps me stimulated. So I really just, I think it's from the point of wonder and imagination There's a saying called mundus imaginalis, which is basically where the mind meets the imagination. And uh, I like to sit on that little ledge between the mind and the imagination and test things out. So yeah, I think it's the curiosity that gets me where I am. Clearly why we're speaking, because <laughs> one of the things that we hold very dear as well is the whole idea of, of mind expansion and helping people to see things differently and think differently. Um, but I'd love to dig in a little deeper to you shared a spectrum of sound examples and where sound can be applied. Could you take us down a few of those rabbit holes? Because I, I think I know a little bit about this. I know about tuning guitars to different frequencies and scales and sort of read a little bit about that. And, and then I've read a little bit about how sound has been weaponized and, you know, you get these sound curtains and this sort of all. And I, I have a device in the house for keeping spiders away which is apparently very high frequency sound. So that's kind of weaponized, weaponized sound. But it's, it seems like a pretty broad thing. Just share a couple of the couple of examples would be amazing. So there's an example of something called cymatics. So cymatics is a process of sound made visible. So um, we can see that each frequency that we play, basically there's, a, there's an easier way to describe this. There's such thing called a cymoscope, which was invented by a guy called John Stuart Reed. And it's a device where you can put sand onto a, like a flat plate and you can play a frequency, um, a sound of some kind through the plate and all the sand will actually start to form a specific shape and it's a cymatic shape that this the sound will sorry the sand will actually form into you can do the same with any kind of liquid substance you could do it with water and you'll start to see a ripple effect but it's it's usually in this in the shape of sacred geometry which is also found throughout nature if you just type in cymatics there's an incredible i think it's neil stanford is the guy if i remember correctly on youtube has an incredible video of the power of of sound made visible through the process of cymatics and it's an absolutely incredible representation of the things that we don't see we don't really see the vibrations in water you know in the way that, that are there all the time because we're not really looking at them but when you play a sound or a frequency through the water and you end up seeing this incredible pattern that comes out of this sound it is absolutely mind-blowing to see that there's so much more there that we just don't see with our naked eye until you apply sound to it so that's one way of looking uh, at sound is a process of cymatics and it's a thoroughly interesting rabbit hole to go down there's a, there's a lot of things that you can do with that but one of the other things as well in relationship to sound is the sound of our voice so so I've worked with Elaine uh, Thompson and Philip Sterling. They're two incredible sound um, therapists here in the UK. And they actually can read the frequencies within the voice. And so if, for example, you meet someone and they say, hi, how are you? And you're like, I'm OK. The way that you say I'm OK will actually allow them to feel and understand that you're not really OK, regardless of what you say. They can feel into the vibration. And that in itself is, you know, for a lot of people, it's very interesting 
for them to be able to, um, you know, read someone, to be able to feel connected to someone. They can actually do that just through a sound, but with Philip and Elaine, they can go one step further. So they can take a voice print, so you can speak into a microphone, they'll record your voice print, and they can actually show the voice print through a system that they've built. And you can see in that voice print where you may have too much of the note of E or too much A or too much you know, F sharp within your voice. And you can actually see it on a chart. It's like a color coded chart. And then you look and you realize that all the time that we're speaking, it's it's musical. It's, you know, there's a sound coming from our voice and it has its own specific pattern. But then they connect that visible voice print to your health and to how your body is responding to things. And you can actually tell just from the voice if someone has cancer, if someone has problems with their diet, if someone has emotional problems with their mum, it's all related to the time you were born, the astrology that you have, and then also the voice print. And you put all those three things together, you can read someone's blueprint essentially of their entire health system just based on their voice. So because we're made of sound, the way that we would then apply a healing process to that is we would find the frequencies that the voice is missing because we can tell when we look at the chart and whatever's missing, we use those frequencies and we play them back to the client through a process of whether it's with their headphones or a sound bed and we actually bring their body back into harmony we can bring it back into emotional balance through the power of sound so it's using discovering what's missing and replacing with the correct frequency and each one of us has a frequency that we were born in it's when the sun is in a particular place within the sky you can figure out the mathematic code of, of the time of your birth and you can figure out, you know, a frequency that you resonate with. So for me, for example, I was born in the note of D, which is the color orange. And I have my frequency is 17.766, which is actually the same frequency as psilocybin mushrooms. So each one of us has a relationship to a substance within our nature that we'll like. You know, maybe there's an emerald stone or a piece of copper. But if, you're, if your frequency is vibrating with the copper or the emerald stone, you'll find that you like it more and you become attracted to it. So it's it's fundamentally seeing the relationship through our voice how we connect to our environment and how that can heal us when we study it properly so they're just two examples of sound that have blown my mind since kind of being on this journey that we go and discover down the rabbit hole of i am sound tv And there's two more things, Jeremy, about sound that blew my mind as well. One of them is I didn't realize at the time when I first started this, but I used to be convinced that there were such thing as sound waves, because obviously when we see a sound wave on a screen, it's a digital representation of a sound moving uh, like a sound wave. But actually, the study of sound shows that sound doesn't actually come in a wave formation that as, as we imagine it, it actually comes out in. So when you hear a sound, it actually comes out in a 360 degree bubble. So sound is, is a 360 degree bubble that comes out from our ears and spaciously around us. So because our entire body and, and the environment we live in is vibrational. And if you look at quantum physics, this is a very, you know, a very deep rooted understanding now that we live in this, this circular 360 space. So sound, it's obviously, you know, coming out in that form is a very mind blowing thing for a lot of people who have consistently seen sound waves when they think of music or flowing. So 
that was one of the things that um, bent my mind a little bit backwards. And then the fourth and final thing that I will say, which is something that I've has made me want children, although I haven't really committed to that idea yet. But the idea of having a child is one thing, but the idea of having a dolphin assisted birth has blown my mind. So this is basically where you can go to Binami, which is on the other side of the planet. So you can go and Google Binami. I think it's a Hawaii, if I remember correctly, not far from there. And in the Binami Islands, they have a pod of dolphins that are naturally out there in the wild. They're not captive. And there's a woman called Joan Ocean, who's an incredible dolphinologist, if that's the right term. And they have been working with women who can actually uh, give birth to children in the sea, in the water. And what they do is, I think it's the third, I think it's the final three months of the period of pregnancy. You can go over there and you can spend time swimming with the dolphins. And then when it comes to you actually giving birth, you can do it in the water. And the dolphins use their frequencies and their sounds and they swim around you and can actually put their frequencies into your stomach as you're actually going through your birth. And they can make it pain free for the mother and for the child as well. So it's a very beautiful way of using, of working with nature. There's fors and against on it when you look online, but the process, you know, some of the mothers are extremely happy that they had dolphin assisting births, having a very pain-free, almost orgasmic state of birth, which is something that we want to cover. We want to do a documentary around this on I Am Sound TV because it's just another exploration into how powerful sound can be, even from our natural world. Probably blown your mind. <laughs> totally blown my mind. Right? <laughs> <laughs> but not in disbelieving, but actually trying to figure out how that would be possible. And it's starting It's starting to come together. Well, I mean, I've got a few confessions to make. So I own a number of Tibetan singing bowls. And uh, last year I did have a treatment where I had loads of these bowls placed on me around different points on the body and had them and had them vibrating. And it is quite an amazing experience and I would say it's more an experience I I don't know or I couldn't say if it had any long-lasting effect other than something that was deeply enjoyable but I do find the bowls really useful for actually just changing the whole feeling in a room after you've you so uh, where on one hand I'm saying I don't think it had huge effect on my body but I do use them when I'm walking into a room and it just sort of wakes a room up a little bit and then sort of calms it all down again I'm glad I'm talking to you this morning now and no one else but I'm just going to go one step weirder now mm -hmm. and I was listening to some classical music this morning and someone said something about celestial spheres and I didn't know I was going to be having this conversation well I knew I was going to be having a conversation with you about this morning but it got me thinking about well, the planets are huge spheres, right? And you've just said 360 bubbles. And I was thinking to myself, the universe is really big. Why doesn't it make a lot of noise? Mm. <laughs> that was my question yep. over breakfast this morning. Because there's Very a lot of question. mass moving around up there. But we don't really hear it. We don't hear that many creaks. I'm sure it's going on somewhere. But like yeah. most stuff makes noise. Cars make noise. You know, trucks make noise. Buildings creak. Trees creak. But planets, do we actually hear them? I don't know. Well, it's actually interesting that you're saying that. So the answer to that is yes. 
they do make noise and there's a quite a few musicians out there that have and you can get your bowl, your singing bowls tuned and gongs and tuned to the sound of the planets so each planet has its own resonance and we've been able to discover that over time and we can program and tune our singing bowls and our gongs and other instruments to the sound of the frequency of the planets so there's a, an incredible process of that you can see on youtube again i'm going to send you to youtube you can sit, type in the sound of the planets and there's a few artists i've forgotten the names of the best ones now but they have um, created music out of individual planetary sounds and it's also when you when you really do look at the planets a lot of the representations that we see online when we google mars or jupiter we see these spherical pictures of planets and these are actually made up they're not actual pictures representation of pictures that we think someone has taken and they've just put on youtube they're usually graphically designed and enhanced from nasa before they actually come out and we see them in that way but when you look at them with the um with a camera without all of the adding on that nasa does when we get this representative picture sorry you can actually see the planets actually are a formation of the cymatic principles that i showed you before so the cymatic imagery can actually be seen within the planets so it's the question is are the planets solid are they actually moving? Are they continuously moving shapes? Is this sacred geometry that we're seeing from afar? So we don't actually, you know, and you can dip into the toes of conspiracy when you when you look at this, because you think of NASA as a solid scientific body of, of group of people that are putting out information that we could definitely believe in. And you think, oh, yeah, OK, so whatever they put out, we take for granted. But actually, when you study it from a music lens and from a mathematics point of view, they're actually shapes that are moving continuously when you look at them properly without any enhancement. So these shapes are basically moving because there's a frequency moving them. So where is that frequency coming from? Where is that sound coming from? What does that actually mean for our view of, of other planets? And then what does that mean for the planet that we're on? And there are only certain frequencies that we can hear. So say if you've got a dog whistle, and, you know, we can't hear that, but a dog can because it's out of our range of hearing. So there's lots of things that are happening on the planet that we have no idea of because sound in order to be heard needs a receiver. If we can't receive it, it doesn't necessarily mean it's not happening. It just means that we can't hear it. So the universe, I believe, is making a lot of noise and we can only really truly hear it when we switch off from the environment around us and we go inwards type the fifth direction and we meditate and we come into stillness we can then pick up on the subtleties that are around us that we wouldn't necessarily be able to tune into day to day because our thoughts might be processing things they might have a dog or a car so it's really important that sound is one thing but what's more important than sound and light and water is the silence which is the space of meditation. It's the space that everything comes from is that place of silence. So dropping into meditation is the most useful thing that you could do on a daily basis because it brings you back to yourself. So you talk about meditation. Mm -hmm. I couldn't mention singing bowls, meditation and sound without getting your point of view on OM. Interesting. So what is your, is it a question, specific question or would you like my point of view on OM? Well, I, th I think point of view might be more useful because I'm not sure my, my, my question would stand up to much scrutiny. But I was, uh, I, the, if I was going to ask a question, I'd be asking about what is it about that sound? Does it have a frequency or purpose? And, you know, is it a better sound than other sounds? You see, very simplistic. So the OM is kind of known as the creation of all sounds. It's this kind of basic one that we come back to in mantra and through meditation. Interestingly, it's spelt differently. If I was to write OM, I would write O-M 
for example, initially, that's where I would go. I'm also dyslexic, just pointing that out. But uh, a lot of people around the world write om as in A-U-M. So they spell it differently and pronounce it differently. So rather than going om, some people go om. So they change the om and they kind of musically add it in a different way. So the slight difference between the two will take you into different spaces within yourself because they're two different sounds. One is om and the other one is om. Again, so you can hear it raising. And then the other point is actually, uh, there's a really good study done. I uh, can't remember the details, um, but I do know the guy. He's a good friend of mine, Jonathan Goldman, who is one of the most amazing sound healers in the world. Um, somebody who you should very much interview because he knows far more than I do. Him and his wife, Andy, are incredible. And um, they did the study into the power of the OM. And they realized that they have an incredible book where you can go to any local bookstore or Amazon if you need to get it quick and it's called the power of humming and they believe that actually the om is the hum so something you can all try at home is when if you have access to a bathtub or a swimming pool or jacuzzi or whatever you're swimming in these days you can lay back in the water and you can hum to yourself in the water by putting your ears under the water and keeping your head out and as you're humming when your ears are under the water you can start to hear the hum and the, the way you start to feel when you're humming is really tuning you into a different space. It's a very unusual space that most of us never really reach. But just by humming, sometimes instead of meditating, can actually completely retune your body into a very still, ecstatic, powerful place. So they did a study into looking at whether the OM was actually spelt because it was it's the only way back then to spell the hum. And they have done this incredible book, uh, written all about it, done lots of studies. And there is some link to it being the hum is the actual most important thing you can do with your body because you're vibrationally taking yourself into a space of peace and calm from the inside. And the more you hum, the calmer you become. And without sounding like a poet, the uh, the way that you can feel over a longer period of time, you could do it for like 15 minutes. And I swear to you, the bliss that you can find just from humming and it's not in humming a tune you're just going hum for as long as you can and then not getting out too much out of breath and then having a little breather and then starting again it just becomes this rhythmic cycle of of the power of the hum and it's something that's totally free <laughs> totally available to us all and if you don't mind anyone hearing you you can do it anywhere see i knew there was something in winnie the pooh in winnie the pooh poo humming oh right oh yeah yeah, yeah of course i always think of poo sticks when i think of winnie the pooh just dropping my sticks over the uh, the ridge <laughs> that's so good i've got to admit i've done that like you said it's just really nice i didn't i didn't realize there was anything in particular about it but you know humming yeah fantastic i think more humming <laughs> more humming if we were all humming the same tune you know the humming bird you think of it how beautiful it is if we can hum together see if you put four people in a room five people in a room and you got them to hum together the what you spoke of before when you go into a room and you do the sound bowls in the room and what you're doing is you're changing the energy in the room because you're changing the frequency you know and the energy and you're bringing it into the sound of the sound bowl rather than into the sound of the rest of the objects in the room so you're focusing that energy and that that vibrational effect to the tone of the sound bowl and you can do the same when you're in a, a small group or even between two of you you'll start to realize the energy in the room shifts because the dominant tone is one that's consistent and that's, you know, that's powerful and that can come from two people. And you can change the environment of a room just from humming together. Imagine if you did that en masse, what we could do to the planet, what we could do to people around us just 
by humming. You don't even have to sing. It's just making that vibrational change within changes the environment on the outside. I've now got Marshall McLuhan coming to mind about turn on, tune in and, and drop out. The, the, the tune in has just brought on a whole new meaning. Yeah. <laughs> Excellent. So tell me a little bit more about I Am Sound Academy. And clearly the purpose is about sound and raising awareness of the power of sound but how how are you going to interact with people you said you've got the tv but sort of how can people interact and and kind of what what sort of journey are you taking people on yeah so the name i am sound are very specific so i am brings you into the present moment so not i will do this or i'm going to or whatever it is i am so we're bringing people back into the present moment and then sound is understanding that you're fundamentally made of sound and also light but sound is the is the easiest way for us to understand the process of manifestation, to understand how our energy connects to all things. So when you really teach the power of sound, not necessarily music, but you teach the power and the understanding of sound, it allows people to open up their minds, to expand their minds and to in order for to be able to take on new information that can help us. So I've created something called the self method, which spells sound, energy, light and freedom, spelling self. And once you understand sound first, you then realize that you're made of sound, your vibrational effect of things around you, your relationship to everything, the power of it scientifically on a quantum level, on an emotional level. You then can understand the power of energy and what energy really is and how your sound and your vibration in a conversation can and your energy can take someone into a certain space. So you realize the effect you have on other people with your mood, with your words, with your presence. So you take responsibility because you understand what you're made of. You then take responsibility because you go into an area of energy where you realize that you have a personal responsibility for the environment around you. So it, it leads you back to this space of wholeness. And then you understand once you start realizing your relationship to energy and how you speak and what you're putting in your body and you know the energy of the food that you consume and the alcohol and the drugs and anything else, you start to realize that those things are going to distort the environment in a sound perspective. So you start to drop them out of your diet and you drop them out of your lifestyle to become lighter, which is the process of, of light. So you go from sound to energy to light. And then from that point, because you understand what you're made of, where you're at and how you can become a stronger, more powerful being, therein lies your freedom. And your freedom only comes when you can emotionally sit with yourself and not run away from anything. So freedom isn't found in a passport or a, or a journey or another person. It's having the freedom to be with everything that comes up internally. So for me, it was about learning this journey myself, going on this journey and realizing that if we could only understand sound in this order and our relationship to it through music and scientific you know, information and mind-blowing quantum conversations we can all start relating to each other in a different way so I thought the best way to do that was through musical events and creating that community and then also going on a rabbit hole in a fun and easy way with our television platform of teaching people about the things like I've been discussing today so it's actually taking people into a space of joy as they learn to co-create something of fun in the beginning you know in the future because at the minute where I think from is that if we want to create a better future for everyone involved the only place that we can do that from is from a place of fun in the present moment because we're programming our future from today. So if we're not fundamentally happy now and we're coming from lack or a distorted environment, 
that's what we're programming for our future vibrationally. So how do we educate with fun? It's through music. Everyone loves a dance, a track or some form of emotional movement through music. And then also people love learning new things that expand the mind because it opens you up. So the whole process of the platform is that we have the TV platform and then we have the in real life events and our in real life events are no social media and no phones. So we take people into the silence and we create our events from a real place where you actually have to intimately speak to the people <laughs> that are at the event. So we really have made this space of silence to be able to educate. And the best place I know to do that happens to be in Ibiza because this is my kind of lowest hanging fruit. I've got a very big network here. But the island's designed for dance and music and not just of a rave kind, not just because it's hedonistic and you're getting lost, but there's actually a north side to the island that's very deep and very powerful and transformative. And I just thought, why not co-create a future that I want to live in from a place that I love living on with people that I love in a way that I love? So I've calculated my entire life to be able to build this from a space of joy and happiness so hopefully that's what gets put out so that's the process of of me building i am sound tv and that's why i'm just living on this beautiful mediterranean island <laughs> i promise i'm doing work although it doesn't look like it to some people from the outside well i've i think i've mentioned this on the podcast before i i think you've you've got life right when you don't need to try um and when i say don't try it's when uh, you're doing what you love doing and it's not an effort you just sort of get up and flow and I think I'm very fortunate I think I discovered that a long time ago I mean there's still things that get in the way and there's still things that you kind of wish weren't happening but then you know that's um that's all part and parcel but it is about creating the right conditions and I think the more experience I've gained from the world I'm in you know the values the culture the things that bind people together, the things that keep you going through those ups and downs are the most Im most important things. And it is being brave enough to realise that you can change those conditions and you can adapt circumstances and reframe stuff and say no to stuff. And usually good stuff comes out of that. I think it's, it's rare that things get worse um, through making a positive step forward even if it's a very small thing that you can do every day ultimately it can make a very big difference and I sort of agree with everything that you've said so far about you know what you need to cut out and uh, what you need to focus on and who you need to surround yourself with as well I love that it's really interesting that you say that it's um so there's a slightly different perspective but I used to when I first started my kind of let's call it my spiritual path and I'm you know quoting that that's what everyone calls it. When I started on my personal development journey, I was looking at my distorted environment and being like, oh my God, these people aren't good for me. And there was in that kind of realization, there was also a part of my ego that inflated that I thought I was better than them because I wanted to make different decisions. So I went through this whole process and awkward time where I was releasing people from my life that I didn't feel had any worthiness or had any kind of real need or would, you know, really taking me on different paths and still drinking excessively and still taking drugs excessively because I was trying to give up those things at that time. And I went through this incredible process where I got rid of everyone but then I was incredibly lonely and the logic of it of getting rid of people and surrounding myself with only people that I love made so much sense to me but now I'm 15 years in and I realize the process of transformation is not through avoidance it's actually through compassion so actually having those people around me and still being able to sit in their environment happy and not affected by them and still being able to hold the dominant frequency of happiness rather than distortion actually is a bigger transformation because 
if somebody's cheese grating on your nerve system because you're like, oh God, this person's annoying me. I hate them. If there's a problem there, that's you can take them out of your environment and you can move away from them, but you're only in that energy is still within you. So you're only reinviting them back in either later or through another version of, of them with another name and another story. So the true process of transformation is staying present even in the most difficult times with the most difficult people but not being triggered by them. And that's where the meditation and the extra kind of three seconds of awareness that comes from that process allows you to just observe rather than to judge. And now I've realized is that I can be around people that I used to feel very uncomfortable with because I realized that what's in them is in me and I'm working on what's in me, not I can't just erase everything outside of me. So I very much, you know, if someone is grating on my nerves and I'm like, oh God, I now understand the power of an awkward conversation and bringing someone into what's true is right now I'm not liking you because these things that you're doing are making me feel this way actually having a radical intimate conversation with someone about how uncomfortable they're making you feel but not from blame obviously just from observation actually helps them transform at the same time because they might not be aware of what they're doing sometimes we're just like I just don't like that person in the room it's just a thing but if we can go into that and lean into our awkwardness and we have the right language to communicate how we really feel, you can actually transform that, which means that you're clearing up the environment around you rather than moving away from it and leaving it for someone else to get. It makes total sense. And it's something that I've realised over time as well. If there's something that I might have an instinctive reaction to that I don't like, precisely what you're saying, rather than walk away, I kind of lean into it. I go, well, what is it about this thing that has made me? And I'll go and learn more about it. Or I might even sign up for it. So I had this, <laughs> and, you know, to that extent of, of kind of making myself go and do things that I might have dismissed for years or thought was just awful or just kind of like, I can't believe people do that. I go, all right, use it and go and, go and learn more, go and find out what it is. Because often, I mean, you've, you will have heard this before, often things we don't like in other people are actually things that we do ourselves. And it's, and it's kind of when you get to that point of, of realising that, you can be a lot more forgiving because you can go, I'm so guilty of that too. But it is, as you said, it's that self-awareness of the things that annoy you. Yeah, exactly. All the things that you need as well. So very short example of this. And I, I will hold my hand up and I will be radically honest. It's part of who I am is that I will I will own my stuff. And for a long time, I'm a tall girl. I'm like five foot ten and a half. So for me, getting a boyfriend, I've always been like, I want a tall one. They have to be tall. And I used to have this long list of what I wanted in a guy. And always tall was at the top. And I dated guys that were like six foot seven and stuff. And I was just like, yes, this is this is what I want. But they never quite worked out in the right way. However, I would never, ever, ever date a guy that was shorter than me. And I had this judgment on it because I didn't like how it looked in other people and blah, 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 blah. So then very recently, a friend of mine introduced me to someone and I found myself really opening up and responding through my body and was just, I was very much like happy with this guy around me, but he was shorter than me. And my mind was going, absolutely not. No way. No, 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 no. This is not going to work for you. You're going to be judged. And I was going through this whole scenario. But my body was saying a hell yes. So I, I was on my way driving home from the dinner and I had to pull over the car because my mind was giving me hell. My body was saying yes. And I was like, I can't drive like this. So I pulled into the bus stop and I sat there and I calmed myself and I was humming and I was like, calm myself down. And I drove off and then he reached out and we said we'd end up going for dinner. 
And I was thinking, oh, God, I've got to do this. I've got really got to do this. I've got to date this short guy. Oh, my God. So I go out on a date and I said, I was, I said to him, so uh, how, um, how tall are you? Before I had a chance to say, are you? He went short. Deal with it. And I was just like, oh. Okay, and I just laughed and we made a joke out of it. And actually, I had an incredible evening and I still very much enjoy his company. And what I realized is my judgment of a tall guy to a short guy was so severe. I'd stopped myself from intimately connecting with people, even if it's going to be nothing. The pleasure and the fun that I had that evening of sharing with someone took me down a peg or two because it was just an irrational judgment. But it's like even the most uncomfortable things that you're absolutely not lean into them because I am I'm very happy I leaned into that one I've got to share with you one of our values well one of our principles it sits under our values so our four values are be human be creative collaborate and be hungry but under collaborate is be open to everyone and everything because I'm going to just slightly switch the the conversation up and pick up on something you mentioned earlier about not having any social well youtube but no instagram no twitter is that right yeah no instagram twitter facebook snapchat or anything else that comes with chat or cat pictures or stuff i think that is one of the most intriguing things about what you're up to because i'm not a huge fan either remarkably for someone that's involved with a network and everything that goes with that we just mm-hmm. assume that you need to be all on all over this but it is about identity and image and what we're bombarded with and it creates these ideals and i know this is well spoken about elsewhere but it is about breaking out of that stuff and and being able to sort of question or being aware of stuff that might be actually stopping you from opening up whole new profound experiences that you would just shut yourself off to but that's why I wanted to share the principle about being open to everyone and everything because it's a very very easy thing to forget and even though I divided the world into radiators and drains early you definitely want to be around radiators and not drains when it comes to energy exactly but I also talk about sponges and stones (laughs) And there are some people who are stones, right? They've kind of decided they're not taking anything more on board. They're not going to absorb anything else. It's like, yep, this is me. I'm done. But there are the sponges. And those are the people I'm so fortunate to be surrounded by people who are just, when I talk about mind expansion, they want to have their worldview challenged. They want to, you know, not in an aggressive way, just a little curious thing every day. It's like, walk into that bar that you've never walked into before. Go in that shop that you've seen out the corner of your eye loads of times and wondered why you've never gone in go in walk down that street that you've seen that you've never walked down because it's not really the most efficient route take that route look at the rooftops something I do every day never use my phone in the street it's about sort of looking around you or never being on the phone you know it's just like when I walk around I'm like man come on it's like (laughs) there's so much stuff that's massively energizing that I think gets um, missed out on. We, we miss so much as well when we're on our phones. And this is, you know, for me, social media worked for me for a long time. It, you know, it, it worked in many ways. But then really, when I gave it up, I realized that I was scrolling, I was comparing, I was in this judgment space, but I wasn't feeling great. And I thought, you know, what, I need to get rid of the things that don't feel great for me in terms of 
that I can handle, you know, the drink, the drugs, the alcohol, everything. And I thought, if I get rid of social media, let's just see how it goes. And I got rid of it and I earned more money, had more press, had more exciting conversations, more intimate conversations and way more time for myself. And I didn't have to go through a distorted environment, which largely is social media. In order to create that, I was doing it outside of it. And then I started to think, the world, you know, we're, we're forced to believe that we need this social media. And actually, the, the entire world, even the world that social media came from, was built through natural networking. It was built without social media. So the concept of what I'm doing is not radically different in the sense that the whole world happened to be built that way. It's just that we've forgotten. And for me, again, I look at distorted environments and a lot of people don't feel great when they're on social media. So I, why do I want to take something that I think is epic, which is my business and what I'm doing, through an environment that is distorted in order to manipulate someone through an algorithm to hope that they come and look at my stuff? For me, that doesn't align with my integrity. However, me, and that's my integrity, I'm not judging anyone else that does it, but for me, my network and my personal connections that I have around, you know, people always say, Oh, it's your network. I, I know everyone personally. And you did I just say Nat's work, not network, didn't you? I did. Yeah, I yeah. Did. That, this is what everyone calls it, network. Yeah. So I have my own network and it's people that I actually know that I want to spend time with and do business with. And I don't have a globalization project. So I'm not trying to get everyone in the world to know about everything that I'm doing. My, my ability is if I'm having a great day with the people who are around me now, it's a great day. My future of changing the world isn't there. I need to change myself and my environment. I'm not in the world. I'm not in Timbuktu. I'm not in Paris today. I don't care what happens in Paris today. I care what happens here today. And if we all looked after our own back garden and our own part, and we stopped needing to be seen everywhere from everyone around the world, that in itself, you know, it's not ideal for a business that wants to grow quickly. If you grow organically, it's a little bit better. But for me, it's more authentic. It's more aligned with what I want. And it brings me greater quality of life rather than a manipulation of an algorithm to people I don't know and will never meet. That sends my ego into a place where I think, oh, you know, why do they not like me? Why haven't they liked? It's unnecessary. So I'm trying to keep it simple. And, you know, really, it took me ages to think, well, we're going to have a YouTube channel. But YouTube is just a streaming platform. It's not a social media playground. It's just a place to show content. So I've opened my door to that again, not shutting doors to anything. But it isn't it feels so alien to me to try and convince someone I've never met about something I'm doing, which is what I spent my life trying to do years ago, wanting to be liked and loved. And it's actually like that doesn't serve me or them. What serves me is keeping it real and small. I'm so pleased you said that because it's something I've believed for a very long time. And it's a similar aspiration. It's with the Sense Network, it's always been about quality, not quantity. And word of mouth is the best quality filter you can have a friend of a friend or someone who's had a really great experience, whether that is coming to one of our suppers around the world and not really knowing what to expect, because this can be 15 people who have never met each other before coming together. But, you know, they will all be from radically different worlds. So you will meet people from worlds unlike your own or whether they've collaborated on a project and they've been asked a bunch of questions about things they do every day, like wearing a pair of headphones, and they get to reflect on their relationship with headphones. And they kind of go, I have never realized that was my relationship with a pair of headphones before. It's kind of it's crazy the role that this object plays in my life, or how it helps me do this, or how it helps me do that. And, and, and so for us, that's like, this is great. This is, this is really what it should be all be about but you know everything needs to get worse before it gets better and I think that's what's happened with um, social media 
maybe it's getting better. I, I remain hopeful. No, I think TikTok's the worst thing for the planet. It's TikTok. It's like the fact that it's been named TikTok just tells you that it's just taking your time, which is the only thing you can never get back. It's actually called TikTok. And for me, that is the worst manifestation we could have collectively come up with. So I get it and it gets you, you know, it gets you attention, but I, I don't want anything to do with it. I think there's better ways to spend our time. Um, and, well, you said it earlier, playing, I think, playfulness, creativity, and our world, you know, apply that, it's innovation as well. But that's what it's all, I think, well, I think you said fun, actually, you didn't say play, I'll correct myself there. But it's, it's you know, fun, playfulness, you know, that I think is just so important. And it's it's a very human thing. It was, it's a very, it's a very mammal thing, right? It's like... And so tell me when, so how do people engage with I Am Sound Academy? How do they sign up? So we, we go fully live in October with our app and our in real life events here in Ibiza. But you can go to IamSoundAcademy.com, which is our, our functioning website at the moment. But new one will be IamSound.tv very soon. And yeah, it's for us, it's about engaging with us. We have a, a founder membership um, so you can sign up for like a Netflix subscription. You can sign up, you get a free trial for two weeks and you can sign up for a, a month or so, or, you know, you can cancel at any time. It's £10 a month, not very much at all. Or you can become a real founder member in person and uh, you can join us here in Ibiza and come to all of our events. And we, we charge a bit like a Soho House subscription. You can co-work at all of our partnering events and spaces. You can use the gyms and the spas and learn about sound and come to sound baths and really enjoy the community by living here and joining us as a full-time member which is slightly more 369 which are powerful numbers from Nikola Tesla by the way but yeah 369 euros and yeah oh sorry it's 10 10 euros not 10 pounds is the uh, subscription price I keep forgetting that I'm in another country Um, but yeah it's it's a very kind of slow organic process that we're going through and we're just having fun in the slow lane so we're not rushing anywhere we've got some really epic cool scientists and musicians to work with but we're going super slow. That's not a bad thing. Calm for my nervous system is good. <laughs> slow is pro. Oh, I like that. Slow is pro. Love it. The final question that I always ask is in relation to the Sense Network and whether or not the Sense Network could be of any assistance for providing perspective or for you to share ideas. You know, we are experimenting with new formats with sharing ideas and all the rest of it and I'm thinking it might be really cool to I mean if you are up for it of course to maybe sort of do a meetup with some members of the Sense Network and I'm sure they would have loads of questions about this it's kind of utterly intriguing what you're doing that Thank you. I'd love to. I uh, I want to be back in London to do a little bit of, of talks and stuff that I'm doing back there. So doing a little meetup with the Sense Network when I'm back in London would be great. Uh, but also I'm on the island of Ibiza and we're partnering with Six Senses, which is a beautiful hotel and spa here. And we're creating networking events and, you know, evenings for, for all of our members and just for the locals. So if anybody's here on holiday or wants to connect in any way, um, I would love you to reach out. You can get me on my email, which is nat at iamsoundacademy.com. I would be happy to meet up with people and I'm available for podcasts to talk about this stuff and to, I love going down the rabbit hole of sound and if anybody's got anybody that's amazing in the world of sound that they've experienced or they're married to or they're you know around all the time 
send them our way we are a production company we've got a tv platform and we want content so we can tell a story under sound energy light or freedom we, we can partner we just want to collab in the most organic old-fashioned way of like joint venture partnerships you know real grassroots liking each other's project and and building it without the noise of social media just doing it organically so i would love if there's a way for us to collab further bring it on amazing well nat thank you so much for being so generous with your time and your knowledge and taking us down some rabbit holes that i'm going to continue (laughs) traveling down and you mentioned Nikola Tesla as well that probably deserves another 30 minutes but we'll save that one (laughs) for another day so thank you so much for sure for sure thank you I really enjoyed it and I love what you do and it's very you know the sense network it's very it's a pulse you know that's that's the life force that's running through the world you've got a great group of people that are pulsing their way through this environment and we need more people like that so if anybody's listening and you know you haven't joined the sense network go take a look at it because i think they're fab thank you nat thank you for listening to extreme perspectives brought to you by sense worldwide we'd love you to join this conversation using the hashtag extreme perspectives if you enjoyed it leave us a review The Sense Network collaborates with many of the world's most innovative companies to help them be more innovative. Join us at thesensenetwork.com or get in touch via email hello at senseworldwide.com.